Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest, the day after Christmas. Hayward Evans and I, my co-host, hope you had a very, very Merry Christmas and hoping you have a healthy and prosperous New Year. And we'll be talking with you again on January 2nd as we build up to the 2020 Seattle Martin Luther King holiday celebration that we have every year. Uh, expecting some fantastic things to happen. But so much is happening in Washington, D.C., and our good friend, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver, is on the line with us. And Congressman Cleaver uh, is a former chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. He uh, represents the district in Kansas City, Missouri, most of uh, the city of Kansas City. He's a former city council member, mayor, and pastor of a very large church. And uh, he has really been on top of this thing. Congressman, you know, in uh, 2010, uh, the Tea Party showed up. And as a matter well, of fact, as a matter of fact, if I can if I can recall, uh, one of the members of the Tea Party actually spit on you, right? Right. Yeah. The, the, the and you and you and you didn't knock him out. It was a good thing I, you were I saved. Did not, I did not. My father uh, told me uh, the next day after he'd seen it on the news that he was glad that he wasn't there uh, because he wouldn't have been able to control himself. But. Uh, the Tea Party rolled in to, to Washington, uh, setting uh, out a very conservative and some would say uh, vicious agenda, uh, and they uh, took no prisoners. They were coming in. We're going to have law and order. Uh, we're going to protect our soldiers. We're going to uh, protect our uh, intelligence agencies, the FBI. We are the people uh, of, of the law. Uh, we have... A constitution is based on law. So they uh, they came in, and I think uh, little by little, they were cleaned out of the Congress, and the, 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 uh, the small group that was left changed the name because I think uh, over time, the name Tea Party uh, took on a, a very negative tone, and so they changed their names to the Freedom Caucus. And that is what they uh, used uh, during the, the, the last latter part of the uh, Obama administration, and that's the name they use today uh, as they are defending uh, a president who, uh, frankly, is the antithesis of the things they said they came to Washington uh, to clean out. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird because uh, this is, the, the president is lawless. They want to have law and order. Uh, they wanted to go by the Constitution. This is a president who uh, people in the White House say has never even read it. Go ahead, Hayward. Yeah, Congressman, you know, I, when I'm looking at the Tea Party, and I didn't know that they changed their name to the Freedom Caucus, so that's some good information. But I'm looking at all those judges that have been appointed and I'm, uh, uh, by, by the current sitting president, and I'm just looking at the impact on, on the communities, particularly the communities of color. What are the next steps that you think we need to be taking in terms of, of one, taking back uh, the Senate, and two, taking back the presidency? Well, first thing, let me let me just say, I was the national co-chair for President Obama's re-election, and I would do it again uh, if if uh, uh, the chance uh, were brought to me. However, I've got to say, uh, and I think, uh, every member of the Congressional Black, Black Caucus would agree with me, uh, and the, CH, uh, the the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, that President Obama uh, took a very passive uh, uh, tone uh, toward judicial appointment. Uh, the, the president uh, was was a, a very good president. He, he, in fact, was would be a saint compared to this president. But for whatever reason, uh, he chose not to go uh, aggressively for uh, judicial nominees. Uh, and, that, and that goes even down to, to, to Garland, Merrick Garland. Uh, Jim Clyburn, the chair of, uh, uh, well, at the, uh, the whip of, of, of the Democratic caucus, uh, at one of our caucus meetings said, look, what we've got to do is uh, present someone to, to the president to nominate, uh, and uh, even if Mr. McConnell said he's not going to hear, uh, give a, a hearing to anyone, 
point, if we go with the right person, uh, and the president, and then uh, McConnell refuses, he will uh, stir up such a tumult in the country that uh, he would almost have to. And that is, uh, we were going to nominate an African American uh, woman law professor who had impeccable credentials, uh, who was uh, in in law circles known all over the country. And we believed that to appoint a woman, to nominate a woman, and a black woman at that would have put so much pressure on uh, Ms. McConnell because I think we would have had marches and streets all over the country, uh, including in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, where Ms. McConnell lives. Uh, I just think that we could have created such uh, a problem in the country that we would have forced them to have uh, a, a hearing uh, on the nominee. No black woman had ever been appointed. Uh, uh, frankly, uh, we've only had two black men, and, and one of them, um, anyway, the, the, uh, we, we would certainly like to have had somebody against, uh, uh, like Thurgood Marshall. But to go to the other part, other part of your, your, your uh, statement, uh, I, I think that uh, the, the, the only way we're going to begin to change things, turn some things around, and set the ship of state in a new direction is to defeat Mitch McConnell. Uh, it may be important for your listeners to also know that in terms of polling, Mitch McConnell is the, is the least uh, popular member of the United States Senate in his or her state. So uh, Mitch McConnell is vulnerable. Uh, we, we've got to keep the House and win the Senate. And for African-Americans who think that that is not uh, winnable, I would just like to tell them that we had a 13% drop in the black vote between the last Obama election and the election that uh, uh, set Hillary Clinton against uh, President Trump. In that election, 13% fewer African-Americans voted. And then if you consider that we lost the presidency, by less than 100,000 votes, about 83,000 votes in three states, only three states, that uh, would have been uh, far, far enough to turn that election around. So we've got to get African Americans fired up uh, and, and, and at a point where they were when uh, Obama ran, and that is that if it means we stood out in the snow or the rain or the heat or whatever, we, we cannot take another uh, four years like the one we are having. If so, uh, we won't recognize or our children and our grandchildren will not even recognize this country. Is, is there a candidate been selected by the Democratic Party to run against uh, Mitch McConnell in Kentucky? N- no. Uh, the um, My understanding, I'm not uh, too, too much involved in, over in the, the DNC, um, uh, or the, the, the Senate Congressional Campaign Committee, SCC. Uh, uh, but there is a very qualified and articulate former uh, military person, a woman, who was a jet pilot. I can't even remember her name at this, at this time. Uh, she was a jet pilot uh, in, in Iraq uh, and a a uh, highly decorated member of the U.S. military uh, who has already announced and who is already on the ground running. And we think that she, uh, based on what I've heard, I'm, I'm, I'm only, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a somewhat at a distance there because I'm concentrating on the on the Congressional Campaign Committee, the, the, the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign. But from what I hear from my uh, friends on the, on the other side, uh, on the Senate side, is that we have a winner. And uh, in terms of uh, the, the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, I don't. I know that a number of members uh, were supporting Kamala Harris. Uh, do you think that it would the whole thing will play out before the caucus itself gets behind any one candidate? Uh, y- yes, we, we probably uh, to be one hundred percent accurate. Uh, I, I think uh, that we are not likely going to get behind a candidate as long as uh, uh, 
Cory Booker is still uh, in uh, in in uh, uh, technically a candidate. Okay. Um, I don't I don't think there's any chance that we'll get behind somebody until after that uh, occurs. Only if it occurs, Cory Booker could turn up uh, turn out and and, and win uh, Iowa uh, the Iowa caucuses or or get uh, somewhat close, and his uh, and that might be an, the, the inspirational moment for him. But if that doesn't happen, I I I, uh, I think that uh, the CBC would probably uh, move behind one of the other candidates uh, that that members believe would have a chance to win. Well, going back to the president, now we got a new email that was sent out 90 minutes after the conversation that he had with the president of the Ukraine, directing uh, the folks to hold the money up. So that just surfaced. So it seems to me that uh, I, I'm glad to see Speaker Pelosi holding this thing out because these investigations are ongoing. Mm-hmm. Have you heard anything else about the investigation? Anything else has been uncovered? Well, yes, there are some other things that, that, that we know about uh, that, uh, frankly, we can't uh, talk about it or yet. But because, um, <clears throat> you know, we have uh, we have information from whistleblowers, uh, and just so you know, there's more than one. Um and um, we know, and Donald Trump knows, and the people close to him uh, understand clearly that uh, he doesn't want people to testify. Uh, because if he does, as, as uh, Scaramucci said, uh, if four, uh, four names, if they testify, Donald Trump would, reti- would resign. Scaramucci, of course, was the president's uh, press person, or communications director for... Was it 11 days, a few hours? (laughs) Something like that, yeah. Didn't quite take two weeks. Uh, And we all know, look, uh, let me just say to you, if if, if you've done something wrong, you would hide uh, the the evidence, you know, like this. But now, if you you, you, uh, had a perfect phone call, you've done nothing wrong, most people, most Americans would say, hey, I want everybody who uh, is around me to go talk and tell everything you know. I mean, if somebody accused me of some espionage that I've been doing something to, to hurt the, hurt the country, and uh, and they want to talk to people around me, uh, hey, have at it. I'd go on national TV and say, start, start today. I go on a list of, the, of my close friends and and colleagues. Here's, here's the list. And if you find somebody not on the list, add them. Uh, I mean, who? Who would not want to be cleared? Um, and I don't mean cleared politically uh, or acquitted politically. Uh, and so we know that, that that there is a vast conspiracy. We also know uh, that most of those people, or many of them, uh, are not going to be interested in going to jail uh, for perjury. And so if, if they had to testify... Uh, Don McGahn, for for example, has already said he wasn't uh, going to go to jail for anybody. He would tell the, uh, talk about all of the obstruction of justice. Uh, I think John Bolden, uh, whom the president foolishly fired because uh, the man has so much information, uh, he's not going to purge himself. Uh, now, uh, there may be a few people uh, like the Attorney General uh, and others who would, uh, would think twice about perjuring themselves, but most people would not risk going to jail for Donald Trump. But what about the Secretary of State? From past, he's been talking about running for Senate in Kansas. I mean, what's up with him? Well, I, I, he is also one of the individuals. Uh, I think his, his, his uh, candidacy uh, uh, over uh, in, in, uh, in Kansas uh, is predicated on the fact that not, not, not this information will ever be exposed. Uh, now the newspapers, including the Wichita uh, Eagle, uh, the newspaper of Wichita, Kansas, the largest city over in uh, in Kansas, uh, has been very much uh, on the case, printing all of the information that is available to the press about Pompeo and uh, the whole Ukrainian uh, debacle, and uh, that could hurt him. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side, uh, what Pompeo was is counting on is that over in the state of Kansas, they've not elected a Democrat 
since 1932 mm-hmm. for the U.S. Senate. Uh, and people talk about Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, uh, and Georgia, but uh, Kansas uh, may be uh, the reddest state in the Union. And uh, Pompeo realizes that and thus uh, has uh, put himself out to run for um, for for the Senate. In fact, he just started uh, a Twitter account that most experts believe is aimed at, you know, getting information out for, for a Senate race. And, you know, Congress are looking at uh, it historically. If runaway slaves made to Kansas, they were, <laughs> they were free, but Missouri was a slave state. It's, yes, it's really yeah. amazing how the politics have has gone uh, changed so drastically like that because uh, I know uh, my friend, mentor, the late great Dr. Arthur Fletcher, he was a Republican out of Kansas, and he That's also right. had the governor in Kansas liked him, put him in position uh, over the contracts uh, it, with the Kansas uh, State uh, Highway Department, and that's where he gained all that knowledge about contracting and access to, to equality uh, through that job. So that, that's really amazing. But, you know, getting back to uh, folks purging themselves, remember uh, the, uh, the uh, ambassador to the, uh, the uh, Eastern Europe, uh, was it Soderland? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, he yes. made a statement, and they, they contradicted a statement, and the president said, go ahead and tell the truth. So he went in and said it was uh, a quid pro quo. Everybody was in the loop. And that includes uh, the vice president, Mike Pence, and more and more stuff are aiming right at Mike Pence. So this is going to be very interesting over these next few days on what, what else comes out. Because I think that one email that came out 90 minutes after the conversation, the perfect phone call with the president of the Ukraine, uh, the email goes out to what the Defense Department saying, hold up the aid? Yes. Yeah. Right. So, you know, to well, me, that's really saying something. It, 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 the, the email actually uh, 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 go, uh, comes from the budget uh, office uh, and then to the uh, Department of Defense. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, yes, the Department of Defense saying uh, because of the sensitivity of this, uh, we would hope that you would only give this information out on a need-to-know basis. Uh, look, the, uh, first of all, uh, if Donald Trump makes an announcement that he told somebody to uh, tell every to, to, to be truthful, I understand that, that according to the Washington Post, Donald Trump has has uh, told thirteen thousand lies in three years. Now, these are only public lies. These are not the lies that uh, these we are know public about. lies. These are the public, the public lies. lies. These, are not the ones these are not the ones we don't know about. That's right. We don't know about those. So. I know he'll do that because he, I can tell you two experientially. One, he goes on TV and says uh, that uh, Elijah Cummings has uh, uh, told him he wanted to visit, visit the White House and so forth. And the next day I talked to Cummings, uh, a friend of mine, who said, he said, I'm sending out a letter because uh, I haven't had even a conversation with uh, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and then on another occasion he told some reporters, that I stood up and applauded for him during the, the uh, <laughs> State of the Union speech. And uh, I said so hard in my speech that uh, my rear was hurting. <laughs> uh, I wasn't about to stand up, uh, you know, for, for this president. And so, I mean, he will say things publicly, I mean, lie, even though there are people who, can, who will contradict him. He doesn't, he doesn't care. Uh, and and the, the, the American public... Uh, at least the people who support him uh, are, power, uh, are essentially saying we don't care about uh, having a lying president. Well, I tell you, Congressman, uh, I thank you for your time. I thank you for your commitment to justice and equality. And I thank you for being able to reserve yourself after the Tea Party guy uh, insulted you <laughs> in the most vile way. And I'm glad your dad wasn't there because he would have knocked him out. <laughs> So anyway, I want to wish you and the family a Merry Christmas, and I'll be back in D.C. I'm still working on a, a couple of major projects, and I sent you something about what we're doing locally in Seattle. Right. Uh, the Governor right. Jay Inslee did come through for the McKinney Coalition, the Central uh, District Community uh, Preservation Development Authority, uh, with $10 million to help us start training our folks and having a home to make sure we do better than 
the one-tenth of one percent we're doing with all these agencies. So uh, give uh, Mrs. Cleaver and the family uh, uh, my congratulations. I mean, not only my congratulations, but a happy holiday season, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And I hope to see you in Washington, D.C. real soon working on the special project I got going. I will see you in D.C. And and I wish, Senator, I sh- Senator Cleaver sounds pretty good, too, now. <laughs> U.S. Senator Cleaver sounds pretty nice. <laughs> All right, Senator uh, Cleaver. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much, sir. We appreciate you. All right. Okay. Be with you. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, Eric, and then come back with uh, Dr. Eve A. Williams. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. Our next guest is Dr. Ife Williams, uh, Director and National Chair of the National Congress of uh, Black Women. And uh, first of all, I want to perfectly extend my condolences on the loss of your brother. You're in Louisiana right now, uh, having had his uh, service. And talking to you earlier today, he was highly regarded and well-recognized with the kind of folks that showed up for his funeral service, so we want to extend our condolences. He was also a, a U.S. veteran as well. Yes, of course, and I'd never been present where there was a 21-gun salute before, so my family was very proud of that, and he worked for the sheriff department uh, as a deputy chair, so the honor guard showed up, and of course, when I looked out over the audience, uh, I was to do the tribute from the family, and it seemed that almost everybody in this great big church was a member of the family. I could look at cousins, <laughs> uh, uncles, and aunts, and, you know, everybody. I'm going, wow, they all look alike out there. So I guess they're all my cousins, they're all my relatives. Yeah. So I'm, I'm speaking to the family for the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds like the Ryan McCalls and Macmillan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got mm-hmm. a bunch, too. But yeah, uh, what's your bro- what was your brother's still, name, Dr. Williams? Uh, his name is Vernon Williams. We called him Sonny. Initially, we called him brother because... We had six girls before my mom had a boy, and we were just so excited when finally mother brought him home. We didn't care what she named him at the hospital. We just started calling him brother, brother and for years we called him brother. But he was really named for my father, Vernon Williams. That's like my brother, I mean, my cousin, uh, uh, George Rye Jr., they called him brother <laughs> his whole life. But, right. uh, uh-huh. well, Dr. Ife, we just talked to Congressman Emanuel Cleaver about what's happening in Washington, D.C., Mm-hmm. And since you, you have an office in D.C. and you're very active, uh, we'd just like to hear, hear your perspective on what's happening in the White House with the president and with the state of political affairs. Well, we think it's a very sad state, but we're very happy that we have Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, to uh, bring some sense to you know the House and was finally able, through uh, the two gentlemen, um, Mr. Schiff and Mr. Nadler, who finally got the impeachment. You know, a lot of people think that that is um, uh, the major thing and that, that he, you know, will be uh, off the hook after this, but he, they don't understand that he would still have to be convicted. But even if he's never convicted, I think a number of the American people are happy that he was impeached because that meant that so many people in this country understood that he has done so much to, to set our country back for so many years. We're still looking for a just America and we need him out of the uh, office before we can begin to get justice back for everyone. And my friend Dick Gregory, who was my best friend, mm-hmm. but he would always say, people who talk about making America great again, they act like it was great at one time. But at least when Barack Obama and others were in office, they were trying to lead us toward that justice, toward that greatness. And now the person in the White House, Donald Trump, has set us back for years. It's going to be almost like starting over to find justice for everyone. Now, Congressman, uh, Dr. Dr. Williams, Congressman Cleaver, when he was on earlier, talked about Mitch McConnell being vulnerable in Kentucky. And yes. I know you're all over the nation. You, now, you have people in Kentucky that are getting ready for that senatorial race. Yes, absolutely. And that's going to be a blessing, too, because he is now, uh, it's, it's in his hands to be the major defender of Donald Trump. He has already shown that he cannot be uh, fair in this, uh, just like Lindsey Graham. Both of them, mm. I hope, are vulnerable. There is someone in South Carolina who's running against uh, Graham, and it seems that he's very close to him, maybe within a point. So all people have to do is understand that their vote can make a difference and make every one of them go out and vote in uh, South Carolina and in Kentucky. And Kentucky, that would be a big victory, even if we... Uh, well, I won't even imagine that we won't get Trump out of the office if he chooses to run again. But uh, it, it is certainly hope that a leader, somebody who's supposed to be a leader like McConnell, 
McConnell would at least have sense enough to know that this man is not fit to serve. So I hope his constituents know that. I believe they know that. And that's why he's running a very tight race and someone is very close to him. And the fact that we just recently won the governor's race there, we know that people in Kentucky want to change. Well, Dr. Williams, everybody talks about the strength of the black female vote, <laughs> you know. And so uh, looking at whoever gets the party nomination, what's the possibility of maybe Stacey Adams uh, becoming the vice presidential candidate or running partner? Uh, Abrams down Abrams. in Georgia, you Abrams. mean, yes. Stacey Abrams? Um, well, certainly we hope that there will be a black female. And, of course, uh, I think uh, 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 Ms. Stacey Abrams is at the top of the list. But then there's also Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. who has done well. And yes. But for the fact that she uh, didn't have the funds to continue, she would still be out there. But I know that she is going to make us proud in the Senate when they have uh, the uh, the trial there in the Senate. So, you know, we may want to take a second look at her. But there are loads of black women out there who could fill that slot. And uh, we certainly hope with all the help that we give the Democratic Party and the role they're continuing to say that we play in uh, campaigns, that they will think uh, you know, hard about having a black female become our next. Uh, vice president, if not president of the United States. Yeah, uh, Hayward was just talking about uh, in the, the uh, contest in Maine, it was talk about Susan Rice uh, challenging uh, Senator Collins. Have you heard anything about that? I'm sorry, Senator uh, Collins? Yeah. Well, even those of us who are very actively involved in the women's movement are hoping that she will be replaced because she has not had the courage we thought that she had to stand mm-hmm. up for things like the Equal Rights Amendment, or to even talk about impeaching Donald Trump when she knows how bad he has been for women and women's rights. So we're hoping, yes, that she will be out. Almost anyone could be better than she is on uh, on, on unequal rights. She has not shown herself to have the courage to stand up and stand against uh, the person who's in the White House now. Well, I heard Joy Reid on MSNBC that, yeah, Senator Collins talks nice, but she never does anything. Absolutely. So, that's, so, that's where we are, and that's why I'm okay. saying that we'll be, uh, those of us who can, will be going to her state to do everything that we can to get her out of office. No one could be worse than to make you believe they stand for something, and then suddenly when it comes down to the point where you have to make the decision to vote, you vote for that same old stupid stuff that we're seeing coming out of the White House now. I think that tells us a lot about who she really is and that she has not been faithful as a woman to women's rights and human rights. So we'll be happy to have her out of office and give someone else a chance. Maybe we can teach them uh, from the beginning about having courage and standing for what is right instead of following in the footsteps for, for somebody like uh, like Trump who needs to be out of the office. He is putting this country in danger. He has uh, taken on to support all of these so-called strong men and believe them. And he even called our FBI scum. Mm-hmm. How can you be in your, the White House in charge of the FBI and all of the other law enforcement and then look at them as scum? And most of the people who testified against him in the House, those were people he appointed. They know him best. <laughs> they work with him. So we certainly should take them seriously. I certainly do agree. Uh, in terms of the ongoing investigations, uh, we know the latest thing to come out is a email from the White House, I guess, to the uh, management and budget and to the Defense Department about holding up the, uh, the aid to Ukraine. And this is 90 minutes after the perfect phone call with President Trump and the president of Ukraine. And I know there are some other things out there. Have you heard about any of the other investigations, anything coming close? Well, um, you know, I've been traveling uh, from, from D.C. to Louisiana to my brother's funeral, so I haven't kept up with all of the news. But I have heard what you talked about, and I'm convinced that there are other things out there. And if you know people like Rachel Maddow and some of the people on MSNBC, they will find it. They will find it, and uh, hopefully Nancy will not rush into sending over the articles of impeachment until we find some of these things where some of these Republicans will know that they have to face the truth, because right now many of them are kidding themselves uh, once we depended upon Lindsey Graham to be a relatively decent person, but after the, uh, Senator John McCain died, it seems that he has gone totally, totally crazy. So we need more convincing, not necessarily of them, but uh, convincing of their constituents to confront them and let
let them know how they want them to vote, and voting would mean uh, convicting uh, Donald Trump of all of these crimes he's committed. The last I saw was something like over 15,000 lies that he has, that he has told. <laughs> Our country cannot survive on these lies. We need to get him out as soon as we can. We need to get him out before he does something crazy with North Korea or with Russia and put us in, in more uh, you know, uh, problems than we are. I mean, we, we are just so tired of this. We, and from day one, actually during he was camp- when he was campaigning, we knew that he was not a decent person, and we have been having to live with the fear that he will do something totally crazy before he leaves out of office. You know, before my friend Dick Gregory died, he, he sort of told me some of these things were going to happen. And he said, this man is so crazy that they will have to take him out, the National Guard or the military. <laughs> Somebody will have to come and take him out of that White House in order for us to be safe again. Well, that Dick Gregory definitely had some <laughs> foresight, I tell you that. Oh, oh yeah. He yes. had his finger on the post. A lot of this stuff that was going to go on. I mean, he had such, he was, he was like prophetic, you know. He, he just knew these things. When he told me uh, before he left here a few years ago, he said, baby, I know you're all excited about the Democratic Party winning now, but let me just tell you, uh, 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 Hillary is not going to win, and this other... I don't know if you call him a fool, but anyway, uh, that, that guy in the White House now is going to do some crazy things, and it's going to take some real pressure to get him out of that White House. Well, I tell you, but uh, I want our listeners to uh, know that they're listening to Dr. E. Faye Williams, chair and director of the National Congress of Black Women of Washington, D.C., a regular columnist in the Seattle Medium newspaper, and uh, she has an event every year that I attend. It's a, uh, her brunch. And it's a Sunday after the during the Congressional Black Caucus weekend, and I was so impressed last year. You had uh, gave awards to uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, Ayanna Presley, and I sat at the table with uh, the descendants of uh, was it Sojourner Truth or Harriet Tubman? I'm trying to remember. Oh, we had six. We had six of Harriet Tubman's um, descendants right. at that lunch. And and Madam C. J. Walker, Aaliyah Bundles. Yes. And I've been sending them. They're now the on Gregory's. my... We had the Gregories. We had so many right, right. Uh, uh, people who were children of famous people who've done so much for this country. And uh, we look forward to honoring even more. As you know, we honor people every year who are doing courageous things. And while we're on that, I just want to give a shout-out to, uh, to the speaker, Nancy Pelosi, uh, who has told them, don't mess with me. Every woman is standing behind her who uh, has any any sense of intelligence now because she is showing uh, Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, they are not in charge of this. They may be able to vote, but we're going to show this country what a fool they've put in the White House, and we're going to be doing everything we can to make sure he gets out of the White House soon. Well, all the brothers need to be behind her, yeah. too, all the <laughs> men right. as all well. Hopefully. But, uh, so during the Congressional Black Caucus, I had a chance to speak with her and actually get a pic, that I, a selfie that I put on my Facebook page, thanking her for leadership before they reached to the conclusion to impeach. Mm-hmm. Because she, she was, at some point, well, we don't know what she's going to do, but actually she's played this very well. Yeah. And I like the fact that she's not rushing the, uh, the articles right. of impeachment over to the Senate because right. things are unfolding, like that phone call that was just mm-hmm. discovered that was made from the White House 90 minutes after uh, the president's call with the president of Ukraine uh, uh, d- directing the government to withhold the aid. Right. So, so we're, uh, <laughs> we're glad that she's making them sweat. And, you know, yes. while we may not be able to stop every injustice, we must never stop trying to do that. And that's what Nancy is doing right now. I know that women all across this world are proud of her right now. So are the brothers. Yeah, well, I'm you proud know, of her too. I really... You know, I speak for women and their families, so that includes the brothers. Oh well, thank you. Okay, <laughs> we just okay. Hey, I just want to make sure you include us. All right then. But uh, right. Dr. Efey, uh, well, before we, I want you to uh, take a, a few minutes and just talk about uh, the or your organization, a little bit about the history, and uh, what you guys are doing. Yes. Well, we're the National Congress of Black Women, and I serve as the national president. At one time, the office called chair, but we have restructured. We do have a chair of the board, but I'm president of the organization. We were founded in 1984 by none other than Dr. C. Dolores Tucker and Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, and we were organized for the purpose of working for black women and their families. 
Now, we do have to work with other women. Uh, many times we work on things like disaster relief. We work for women who um, maybe cannot send their children to college. We can help with college um, um, scholarships sometimes. Uh, just whatever a family needs, we try to be there to help them, and we expect to do even more in years to come. We have uh, chapters all across the country. Unfortunately, we haven't found that person in your audience who calls up and says, I'm ready to take on the Seattle area. So if there's somebody out there who wants to help us help the people in that community, I'd love for them to call me or go on our website and look at National Congress BW, the BW is for black women, National Congress BW.org. Give me a call. I can tell you how you can get started, and you can be proud of yourself for being courageous and for wanting to do everything that you can to help our communities get back on par because we're behind what we were, were some years ago with the person in the White House who tried to set us back in every way that he could. But we have some making up that we have to do, and we need more of us. Don't tell me you're busy. We're all busy, but we all got to be together. We got to be united to help overcome the harm that this man has done to our country. And you talk about a credible sister, Dr. E. Faye Williams, is uh, published in the Seattle Medium on a regular basis. You can read her column there. You can go online and look at past editorials that she has penned uh, that's been in the Seattle Medium. So I would also encourage you to go to the Seattle Medium's website to look her up. And, you know, I think the Seattle Medium gets my articles uh, out there first because they apparently publish earlier than most of the black newspapers across the country. So I appreciate that. I generally get the articles from the Seattle Medium before I get it from any of the other papers in the, in the country. And all of the black papers do get it. Uh, so even if you live in towns outside Seattle, you should be able to get uh, what I'm writing about. And anytime people have ideas on something we need to put out there, I uh, certainly hope that they will call me or email me. Um, it's just my name, Dr. E. Faye Williams at gmail.com. That's Dr. E. Faye Williams at gmail.com. Give me those ideas because I can't think of everything, but sometimes we need people who have the courage to stand up and say what must be said, and I don't, you know, I, I don't have all of that, but I do uh, like to study, and I like to get messages out there that our people need to have out there. Well, I just want to say, and the medium might be published at first because the Seattle medium is in Martin Luther King Jr. County. Oh, so, that's right. So we are in Martin Luther King <laughs> yes, Jr. County. I remember getting the tour when I was there. You had, <laughs> you gave me the tour while I was there and, and, and told me that knowledge, which I didn't have, that that's the only county that's named for him or for any black person, I would assume. In the nation. All right. Well, we're the only one female. Okay, so Dr. Ife, I want to wish you, hope you had a Merry Christmas, and I hope you're having a Happy New Year. And uh, well, by the we, way, I just had a, I just had a birthday too. I want to tell oh, you. Oh, happy one, birthday but. too! <laughs> yeah, you, yes. uh, you, your birthday was on the twentieth, the Wait, same day as right. Reggie yeah. Rye and Roman Williams. And mm-hmm. okay, then okay. Yeah. Well, Doctor okay. Ife, well, thank you. Know, when you're so close to Jesus' birthday, you have to remind people, hey, it's mine too. You know. <laughs> okay, so you didn't get the birthday and the Christmas present at the same time. Exactly, we get cheated <laughs> a little bit, but it's all right. It's all okay. good. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Dr. Ife. We'll keep in touch, and then I'm going to talk Canvas East Sisters at the next Martin Luther King meeting, see who's ready to step up to the plate to start uh-huh. this chapter out here, okay? Okay, and happy holidays to all of your listeners. Thank you. Thank you very thank much, you. Dr. Williams. Sure, bye-bye. Okay, that was Dr. Ife Williams, uh, Director of the National Congress of Black <gasps> Women. And uh, we're going to take a break and come back with our next guest after this. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an Orca card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. We've had... uh Congressman Emanuel Cleaver and just finished having Dr. E. Faye Williams. And our, my next guest knows everybody and knows everything, is doing a fantastic job to make sure that the education policies are favorable uh, to allowing our students to get in institutions of higher learning. And that's none other than Dr. Leslie Baskerville, the president of the National Association for Equal Opportunity. Is that, I, I know Nafio. What, give me the full, full name, Dr. Baskerville. Hey, that's it. 
National Association for Equal Opportunity in Higher Education. In higher education. Okay. As a matter of fact, I want to let everybody know that Dr. Leslie Baskerville gave Angela T. Rye her first job in D.C. Matter of fact, Angela oh. saw her somewhere and ran up to her. <laughs> I saw you. I saw you on the internet. You're Dr. Baskerville. Thing that ever happened to Nafio. Yeah. And now she's ruling the world. She's providing voice for all of us, and I'm just so grateful to her. As we're closing out the year of Angela, when we all celebrated Angela as the first African ancestry person to set foot on American soil 400 years ago, woman from Angola. But I told Sister Angela Rye that it is it was almost prophetic that 400 years later, Angela Rye would be providing voice to the hundreds of millions of African ancestry people, not only in the United States, but worldwide. And I'm, I'm so excited for her. I'm so blessed by her willingness to give her voice, her time, and her talent to all of us. But yes, that was the best thing that happened in Nafio, the day that Angela, young Angela Rye, who just finished Washington State, Law school stops me. But yeah. um, we thank you. And we thank you, Eddie Rye, for giving America and the world Angela Rye, you and Dr. Rye, because um, we know what it is when a family has um, any member of the family providing global leadership. It's a blessing, but there are also the challenges that go along with that. So I thank you. But I also wanted to thank you, um for the leadership that you provided in getting past a vitally important bill for the HBCUs, the Hispanic-serving um, institutions, tribal colleges, Asian-Pacific Islander colleges, um, just last week. But from the very beginning, for about the last 18 months, and I know um, your listeners probably don't know you're serving them and all of us in so many capacities, but as we were trying to get past the only legislation that is mandatory funding for HBCUs, Hispanic-serving institutions, tribal colleges, Asian Pacific Islander colleges, we ran into a glitch. We got the bill passed to extend it for another two years at $255 million per year, um, but the Senate let it die. And the bill actually died on September 30th, and as we were approaching the deadline, I tried to think of the people who would really help us best. And um, Patty Murray, as we know, is the ranking member of the Senate Education Committee, where she valiantly leads and fights for um, those, all of America's children, but especially those of least advantage and those institutions that are serving disproportionate percentages of the growing populations of the nation. And I asked uh, Mr. Rye, if he would please do a letter, um, do it to the chair, but invite the chair to share it with the members, the, her colleagues, who were not eager to sign. And when they got the letter from the Mr. Eddie, the voice of Seattle and the people, but on behalf of the civil rights community, the social justice community, those whose voices are the voices. Dr. Baskerville, uh, there you go. Okay, yes, we had lost you for a minute, but go right ahead. Oh, well, I just, I just, I just wanted to underscore how very grateful not only am I, but um, the HBCUs and the HSIs, the HBCUs, all of the um, students, the, our members, the HBCUs and the minority-serving institutions, we make up twenty-four percent of all undergraduate students in American colleges and universities. And what was at stake was their keeping their doors open in many instances and some whose door, doors would close, but certainly critical programs for uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, the preparation of more culturally sensitive um, education professionals, health, public health professionals, and the gamut. And But for the time and energy that you put in, and the impact of your letter in the Senate, again, where the bill had died, um, it is unlikely we would, we would have been able to resuscitate it. And I just want to thank you and thank you on behalf of all of the stakeholders whose lives you've enriched and the institutions that will now um, can be, be well positioned. So what happened in the Senate is 
the bill was not only extended for two years, but it was extended, they call it permanently. What that technically means is that we have funding for 10 years of mandatory funding at $255 million per year for HBCUs and MSIs. And the funding is flexible so the institutions can figure out if the students need more counseling, if they need more study abroad, if they need to strengthen STEM programs, public health programs, programs in the arts, whatever in their estimation will help them to realize uh, their goals consistent with their mission. And I just want to say thank you. And, we just and I'm want sorry to say- I didn't get to come on when, when Congressman Cleaver was on. He was a central player, as he always is, in getting the bill out on the House side. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's so good to hear. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and yes, we yes. just and and Dr. Efe Williams was on right before you came on. Well, as you know, Dr. Efe Williams, who is the leader of women of color around the globe, and one of my dearest dearest friends, sister who comes when we need her. She was there. She was on the front lines. She wrote a letter. She got women, particularly African American and African ancestors, women, but women of color and white women, a strong women's push, and. Um, she was pivotal on the House side and then circled back, and we hit her up on the Senate side. And so, yeah, I go to my friends because <laughs> I know what you do. I know your reach, and you're always there for us and know that Anafio and all the HBCUs and all of our students will be here for you. In fact, I want to send some students out there to do an internship on your radio. Let's figure out how to do a program so you can mentor some of these students that are in HBCUs, but they, they want to go into tech. They want to go into into any types of the industries you have out at the airports authority. They want to come on your radio show. They want to learn from you. We've got to have better mentoring by those who've been on the forefront forever to make sure that while our children are getting book learning, they're also getting trained in um, the ancestral strengths of faith, of fortitude, of activism. And uh, so I'm going to talk to you about that offline. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine with me. That's fine with me. So uh, Now, Dr. Vasterville, we might be asking you down the line, you know, the University of Washington is our flagship public institution in the state of Washington, yet the number of African-American enrollments has dropped significantly. Now, I mean, personally, I believe, you know, young black kids getting out of high school should be going to HBCUs anyway, because I think they're culturally competent until they hit that next level of uh, educational uh, knowledge or that, that knowledge really to to blossom. But the uh, but it'd be nice to have the um, your organization for equal opportunity in higher education sort of send a letter to our president. So I'm going to encourage you oh, to do that. And I know it absolutely. is going to talk no, to you. No, we do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we also got so a black, we, we have I'm a, a sorry, vice yeah. vice provost is a brother by the name of Ed Taylor, Dr. Ed Taylor. So okay. we were, I, yeah, I emceed a panel uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago that he was on. So we're going to be talking with him to see if we can, because what's happening is that a lot of uh, the first generation African students or second generation African students whose parents uh-huh. are from Africa are being counted as they're African Americans. Right. Yeah. But we want right. a, we want a category for African descendants of United States enslaved. Because, you know, we're not going to let anybody forget our 400 years, uh, what we've gone through to build this country for free, dying all the wars. And now yeah. Mitch McConnell and the folks want to push us to the bottom of the line again. So that's oh, something right. we got to stand up and deal with. Well, yeah, and Nafia will be pleased to deal with it. We've been fighting in that space. We signed a brief on behalf of Harvard in their diversity lawsuit where the people were trying to say that the consideration of race, along with multiple other factors, like whether you went to a low-performing school, whether you were first generation, your, your family social economic status, and all of those things, whether or not race, among other things, was a permiss- permissible criterion for admissions. And, of course, Supreme Court has said for now 20 years, we're under Republican um, executives and under Democratic executives. Um, the military has said it, the, the business roundtable. And so... Um, pretty much there is um, uniform acceptance that race is a permissible criterion in the admissions, and it is a valid and uh, important criterion when you're preparing students to thrive in a globally connected uh, world. But with regard to University of Washington, 
Um, I'd love to look at the information and then meet with the people there. Nafio does, and when my, my first 20 years in private practice, I designed diversity and inclusion plans for colleges and universities, for corporations, for municipalities, for the state courts, and others. And so um, I have expertise in the area, and I'd like to work with them um, to put in place a plan that takes into consider um, consideration the best approaches to making sure that you have um, a diverse student enrollment. Now, in the state of Washington, what is the statewide um, African ancestry? About four percent. About four percent. Four percent. But the football team and the basketball team is seventy to eighty percent. The basketball team is about ninety percent, yep. brothers. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's mm-hmm. making, when we're making people money. You know, the, right. we have no problems getting in. But when it's just yeah. their brothers or sisters wanting to get in, they won't let them in. Thank but Dr. Yeah. Dr. Baskerville, we've got to have you back on Absolutely. real soon because you are yeah. a wealth of knowledge and we need to have uh, you giving these ideas to our listening audience about what they can do for themselves. And we're yeah. going to have to get you out here as well. But yeah. I hope I'm in D.C. with you before you, you get out here because that means my project was moving right along. So uh, I'm glad to, that you and... Uh, your, your twin sister and folks were able to take care of all the folks in need for Christmas and want to wish yeah. you a happy new year. And well, I will be, t- you. be talking to you real soon. Well, well, thank you. But may I just say that, so I think that I want, in terms of African-American students, I want our students to go anywhere that is aligned with their preparation and their aspirations. While I know the benefit. Mm-hmm. of particularly African ancestry students, African American students going to HBCUs because of the underpinnings, because of the education liberation that they get, the education theology that they get. I want them to go where they and their loved ones feel is the best environment mm-hmm. for their aspiration and preparation. If they want to go to University of Washington, we will help them get there. But importantly, I want to help the university to figure out how to have a richly diverse student enrollment, and I want to do that with you. Thank you so much for having me on and for being there and doing what you do. You know what, Dr. Bess, before you go, uh, I think Constance Rice, uh, African-American, or either as a chair of the Board of Regents, and Joanne Harrell, uh, another okay, sister right. from okay. uh, Microsoft, is also on the Board of Regents, and Rodrigo uh, Barone, no, is it Rodrigo Barone? Or anyway, it's an active Latino brother, yeah. and uh, okay. he's also on. So. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to you and your family, and we'll talk to you again real soon. And congratulations and on, you the, and yours. on the Future uh, Act. Congratulations oh. on getting that bill passed. Thank you so much, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you. Okay, thank you very much. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Urban Forum Northwest has been brought to you by Sound Trans's Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle Concourse Concessions, with Dave Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group, with Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitsett, and Stephanie Ogle does our, our technology. And we'll talk with you again next week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.